on the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. And we do roll, roll, roll along. Thank you for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out right here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. I hope that this day has been a great day. However you're listening, if you're just starting your day, curling your hair, shaving, as you listen to the podcast later, I hope that you are destined for a great day We are broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's Best Wash five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around. Check out your best location there, racerwash.com. Lots of people in that game and uh, lots of car washes. But, man, I love to jump in the line and make that truck look great again and that's what they do race for car wash listen i have started a riot and unintentionally and let me tell you about that riot and then a uh, newer version of it one time i as you know your socially conservative economically populist host uh, in ministry, taking kids down to uh, Puerto, not to Puerto Rico, to, well, just near Haiti. And we were in Santo Domingo, and we were at a park. It was called Hell Park, and we were giving food to what were Haitian prostitutes in the Dominican Republic. And uh, their children who lived, literally lived in a park. And we ran out of food. We ran out of sandwiches. We were on a bus. I had a, a group of kids. We were giving out sandwiches and ran out of food. And so there was a street vendor. There was one street light. And underneath that street light was a street vendor who had a cart. And I was going to go buy food for the rest of the folks who had not all i had on me was my wallet and my knife and i started walking towards that street vendor and people started coming out of the woodwork out of the dark and start approaching me and then a couple of guys whistled like put two fingers on each crease of their lips and whistled more people began to come and before i knew it there were a hundred people around me fighting for position around me and i just kept on wincing waiting for the first dagger in my back somebody to get my wallet and it was at that point that i turned around went back to the bus and barely got on the bus as i recall we broke a window to get another kid back into the bus and the bus starts rocking with all of these people all of a sudden uh, hungry and not women but it was men and uh, we made our way out 
very scary, like level 10 scary, and uh, a riot began. A riot of a different sort that's been brewing in Texas for some time has erupted on the program. And it began on Monday when we aired comments from State Senator out of Amarillo, the last rural senator, Kel Seliger. And uh, Kel Seliger said that, and this is the bottom, for people who are really plugged into this, Kel Seliger's problem it wasn't male or female. It was that a staffer had recommended that he contact the lieutenant governor and uh, let the lieutenant governor replace him on committees. That was the fundamental problem for Kel Seliger. Well, the lieutenant governor, who is always... And this is the piece that you're going to see from yours truly in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and the Amarillo Globe News on Sunday... It was not a matter of if Kel Seliger was going to lose his seat, his chairmanship. It was a matter of when. Lieutenant Governor came in, stripped him of the finance committee on which he sat, 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 not sat, sat. He was on the finance committee. Then he was on the education committee at the same time. And he was the chair of higher education. He defied the lieutenant governor in a rural way, in a rural populist way, I would argue, in the last legislature. Lieutenant governor, he won't say this, Kel Seliger will not, but it was the lieutenant governor's chief strategist, chief political strategist, who ran Victor Leal. They ran a guy out of Amarillo and then a guy out of Midland because uh, Kel Seliger has the quirkiest district in Texas. Ran a guy out of both places to try to knock Kel Seliger below 50% in the primary so that he would have to go into a runoff in a lowly attended, lowly voted in runoff. And uh, Kel Seliger, being the consummate, amicable warrior that he is, won't say that the lieutenant governor's hands were on it. They were on it. And that was just the beginning of Kel Seliger last session going against the lieutenant governor and then in the interim, the lieutenant governor running against him and the lieutenant governor looking for a way to make a way to, and I appreciate all those listening in the lieutenant governor's office right now, you can eat cake because you're wrong. Uh, the uh, lieutenant governor looking for a way to make a way and Kel Seliger just happened to give him a dart. Uh, by saying in a Me Too movement, and the craziest of things, like, I've defended Donald Trump on this program, but I cannot defend his his methods or the things that he says. And really, if you're Donald Trump's man in Texas, you got to defend the things that Donald Trump has said, especially about women. And uh, I think in my house and a lot of other guys' houses... Donald Trump doesn't go over well. But all of a sudden, you're the cardinal virtue license holder for for women, Dan Patrick. An avid listener to the program. That's what I'm about to get into. Um, 
Kel Seliger says that a woman can, he's got a recommendation for what this senior staffer can do with her lips and his rear end. And Dan Patrick uh, uses it to forge as he will um, and to do what he will. Some text to get into on the text line already firing up. But here's my real problem, Dan Patrick. A radio host who, you want to talk about lewdness? He he called Kelseliger's comments lewd. Dan Patrick was on live radio and had a vasectomy. You tell me what's lewd. And then, do you know who he replaced Kelseliger with? Bob Hall. Bob Hall, a Republican senator out of Dallas, who's also had a very and a much more troubling problem with the opposite sex, said that Bob Hall, uh, a report from the mid-1990s, Bob Hall, his ex-wife, saying that they were married for 23 years and she was constantly under the pressure of, and I'm paraphrasing, sexual abuse and and physical abuse. And that now is who's running Kel Seliger's committee, his former committee. But here's my real problem. Lieutenant Governor says that on this program, Kel Seliger has gone after Republicans personally by name. It's never happened. It's fake news, Lieutenant Governor. And if you've got proof otherwise, why don't you put it up? Because the transcript with Kel Seliger was right there. And now you've made it personal with me. Because you're lying about my program. And you're lying about the product that I put forward, Lieutenant Governor. You prove what you've said or shut the hell up, Lieutenant Governor. And you won't do it because you're a coward. Prove it or shut up. And you won't. You won't do either. Because you're a coward who's looking to make a way. Oh, we prayed for Kel Seliger. Do you have any idea how many people pray for you to have some semblance of sanity, Dan Patrick? And you don't. Dadgummit. Ken King's going to be in with us coming up. Now I'm all fired up. Just indignant. This guy is such a disgrace as a lieutenant governor. How did we ever come to that place to get him in office? And now we got to deal with him. But his time is waning. Deck Gummit will be right back after this break. On the phone with us, we have a public education expert and advocate. He is a state representative. He is Ken King. Uh, Ken King, thanks for making time. I'm glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Uh, you just left Austin. Are you back on the ground in Native Canadian? I just got just walked in my my house just a few minutes ago, so I came back today and go back Sunday. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Are you making the drive or are you making flights? How are you doing this? I've been well. I've we it's kind of a mixture. This week this week I flew, but um, there's I I keep thinking that our shutdown and the TSDA is going to end up affecting my flight, so I'm prepared to drive if that's if that's what we end up doing yeah so you're gonna leave sometime on sunday and see if it works out for you yes that's it uh ken king i want to ask you just off the bat a lot is being uh, this came up last sunday and has become the state's media cycle over the course of the week kel seliger state senator up there by you up in the panhandle 
I believe he is the state senator of your of Canadian, right? I mean, he's he is. Yeah. Um, a lot of news. I don't think it's for folks like you and I. It's not been news that there's been something brewing uh, between Kel Seliger and this new style, newfangled Republicanism in the Senate. Um, you've been pretty outspoken about the lieutenant governor before. What do you make of this rift between the two and the way the lieutenant governor's handled it? Well, I think the you know the rift I think goes back and is directly tied to Empower Texas. You know, Lieutenant Governor um, basically um, was instrumental in funding uh, uh, Kel's last opponents. Last session, Kel stood up t- to him. He was uh, one of two rural Republican senators that refused to vote for things like the um, Lieutenant Governor's bathroom bill and school vouchers. And, um, you know, in Dan Patrick's Senate, you will be punished if you don't toe the line. Well, it wasn't so. Kel voted for the bathrooms, but he went against them on the tax caps and lowering the tax caps in the bathrooms. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. So, when, but you know, there's not, um, there's not any room in Dan Patrick's Senate for a vote of dissension with him. And, you know, and, so Kel's been punished ever since. And, you know, last session, it got so bad that the lieutenant governor wouldn't even recognize him on the floor for a motion. Um, so um, Kel was, uh, but then Kel ran again, and he had two opponents that were both heavily funded by Empowered Texas, which basically owns lieutenant governor. And, you know, I think that's where this stems from. Now, I don't think that's probably all of it. I think, I don't know what kind of exchanges they've had in the Senate or, or how personal those kind of things have gotten, but um kel's been on the wrong side of dan patrick for a while and it doesn't look like it's getting any better yeah and i've made this before and this is what's crazy to me and we're going to get into your new appointments and what you're thinking about this session yourself ken king but um being somebody who's advocated for kel seliger in the past this is the crazy part for me like i've gotten calls from media and done different interviews i said listen the panhandle has always stood up against the powers that be and it goes back to 1964 when and and even before 64 but one of the first areas like don't tell me that panhandle guys aren't republican panhandle folks aren't republican because they've been they were republican before republican was cool in 1964 16 counties across texas Mm -hmm went for Goldwater over LBJ. Eight of them were dispersed throughout the state in different areas, but eight of them were consolidated around Amarillo. This is a place that was a Republican before Republican was cool, and now to come in and criticize and say, well, that's not real Republicanism, I think it's a misreading of history and a misreading of fate, Ken King. I don't disagree with you, and I think the last election cycle... Um, was and that's one thing that I find a little strange with um, the lieutenant governor's um, uh, outward, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, his his opinion about uh, Senator Selger. If it wasn't for our part of Texas, he wouldn't have a job. Nor would Ted Cruz and possibly Greg Abbott. I mean, the rural Texas votes what came in and saved all our statewide. With except, you know, so I I I find it a little bit odd that the lieutenant governor would take the 
this approach, um, given the fact that uh, Lauderdale's district is why he still has a job. And let me substantiate what you just said with fact. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm, and I'm not calling you. I'm not saying what you didn't say was factual, but I ran the numbers. Lieutenant Governor won that race over his Democratic opponent by 400,125 votes. And some, he netted in Kel Seliger's district alone, which is a swath of 25 counties, goes down the New Mexico line and then into the Permian Basin. He netted some 87,500 votes. So close to a quarter of why he won came from Kel Seliger's district and Ken King. Don't those people deserve to have a meaningful chairmanship in their district? Oh, I think so. I think so. And, I, and you know, from Kel's standpoint on um, on ag, you know, Lieutenant Governor tried to turn this into Kel didn't want to be on the ag committee. Wasn't had nothing to do with it. Uh, Kel's passion has been education, public ed, and higher ed for years. This is going to be an education session, and. <clears throat> Kel obviously, for obvious reasons, felt slighted when he um, when he lost that chair and they put him on ag. You know, now whether um, it w- it was a slight or not, you know, ag committee is a great committee as well, and it's vitally important to this area. But it, the what committee he was chair of or wasn't chair of really wasn't an issue. It was more of the okay, this is how we're going to start this session. Yeah, but even you and I, and you are an ag guy. I mean, you've handled livestock. You know what it's like to walk out on the turn rows. That committee, in my mind, was a made-up committee. It separated from another committee. You can't do... Here's what I hear from ag guys about agriculture and state politics. Stay out of our business. When in Mm -hmm. D.C., it's let's put together some reasonable policy to help ag producers at the state level it's stop the regulation and that's about it you can't do a lot and so i'm that's a little right. bit empathetic they... with kill silger that you know he didn't say this to me but this is my read without talking to him that was a committee that was made up to find a place to put kill silger oh i i don't disagree you know they separated water off of it um, and gave that to Senator Perry, who had chaired that bag and the natural resources in the past. So they split the committee. Well, then and when he's they done bust- a good job with that, but yeah. he did absolutely. But when they busted Kale and they took the Act Committee away from him, they gave it to Senator Hall. But guess who they slid back in on the Act Committee? Charles Perry. Yeah. You know it, it was, and, I, and so I don't know. I certainly wasn't there when the when the when the process happened on who got what committee in the Senate. Um, and so my my opinion is just that. It's just speculation. But I, I would tend to agree with you. It was a place to uh, – they knew they were going to um, take higher ed away from Kel, and they, they were – it was kind of an appeasement deal. And it, you know, it just backfired a little bit, it looks to me like. Yeah. So Ken King, state representative out of the Panhandle, a stair-step district. Let's talk about your district for just a second. It stair steps down from Canadian up in the northeastern portion of the Panhandle, down into Hockley County, just west of Lubbock. Is that a fair description? Well, it goes a little further than that. Um, my farthest northern community is Follette in the northeast, and Follette is on the Oklahoma line um, in the very upper northeastern corner of Lipscomb County. 
and the district ends at Denver City, which is Yoko County. Okay, so it even goes down further than Hockley. Thank you. Yeah. I will be corrected by you, Ken huh. King. Uh, well, let's talk. You're on Education Committee coming up. Uh, what can we expect out of that in this next legislature? Well, I think the Education Committee is going to be uh, where most of the action is um, during this during this session. I mean, the the governor and the, our new speaker and um, uh, have have been in lockstep that this is going to be an edu- a school finance and property tax reform session. So I expect uh, public ed is going to going to have a lot to do. Uh, the lieutenant governor has also said in that conversation that he he wants to do school finance reform. Um, so I'm, the, you know, now the debate do, begins on uh, whose version or whose opinion of what a school finance fix really looks like actually passes. So. Um, I'm excited about it. I've been working on public ed issues since before I was I was on my school board for five and a half years. So before I've been in the house now for since 2013. And public ed, as you know, Jay, has always been a focus of mine, and um, particularly where how it affects small schools. So the fact that we have uh, the speaker, the lieutenant governor, and the governor at least all singing the same song on on day one is encouraging to me so i'm i'm actually pretty excited about it how much money do you think we can expect uh new money to go into public education and how can how sustaining because folks will say this in order to put the kind of money that needs to be put into school finance you got to break the cap uh you got to put some five six billion dollars in um can that be done in this session, and can it be done in in subsequent sessions? Mm-hmm. Well, the big, you know, the and, and once again, it all depends on what's your opinion of a fix. You know, I just went through forty, I think, hearings on that on the Texas School Finance Commission over the last interim, and everybody's got their own idea of what of what a, what that fix looks like. You know, I think we need to pick some priorities on what we are going to fix. And to me, the the priorities need to be um, early childhood, which means pre-K for every three and four year old in the state, not just the ones that are so, are are economically challenged or um, or all the and we don't need to do it on a grant program. It needs to be part of our our education system and needs to be funded on the formulas. And then after that, um, teacher pay, um, teacher compensation is going to be a big part of this discussion as well as retired teacher compensation. You know, the retired teachers haven't had a, a COLA in 20 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something we have to address. We also have to address the TRS care system. And then, um, and finally, uh, the the new thing on the radar is uh, school safety. You know, and, and we're gonna spend, we're gonna spend a significant amount of money, I feel, on the, on that issue, but what we're what I worry about is that we will uh, spend that money hardening our schools and turning them into prisons instead of um, on counselors and mental health professionals and try to figure out why kids are shooting kids. Yeah, you know, so it all depends on how you spend the money, and then and then um, finally, there's a it, it's interesting to me coming from a what is known as a property wealthy district to Chapter 41, who's spent um, a couple hundred million dollars. To the state since the beginning of Robin Hood, um, now that Houston has to pay it, we've got to end Robin Hood. So there's also 
an additional cost there. So to end Robinhood, Robinhood is about $3 billion a year into um, into public ed. So if we co- completely ended Robinhood, we need $6 billion there, uh, a biennium. We need about the same thing for pre-K. Um, and we haven't even discussed how much we're going to spend on teachers and retired teachers. So, you know, the idea of are we finally going to fix school finance? Well, it all depends on what your opinion of, of the term fix is. So uh, there's never going to be enough money to do it all. But, but what's kind of your opinion, King King? My opinion is the, the priorities I just listed off we need to focus on first. You know, public education is a moving target, and it always will be because we have 5.5 million kids, which means you have 11 million parents, you have 300,000-plus school teachers, and everybody thinks they're right. So public education is always going to be a moving target, but we need to prioritize some things up front and get the ball moving. I So as far as a dollar amount that we're going to put into public education, um I don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet because, once again, we're going to debate the priorities and then we're going to have to figure out how to pay for them. As far as sustainability, Jay, the, the biggest mistake we could possibly make is you've been hearing a lot of talk about tapping the rainy day fund for public ed. Well, the House wanted to do that last session, and the, the Senate and the governor just said, absolutely not, we're never going to spend it. Well, now they want to spend it. So, And I'm okay with spending it. We've got a, we've got a surplus. But severance tax or rainy day money is 100% oil and gas money. It, it's only oil and gas producers and royalty owners pay severance tax. So um, what scares me is they're they're talking about this boom in the Permian Basin, and, and um, Senator Betancourt has been on record saying we're going to have this avalanche of money, never going to end. Well, you know, that's just not true. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of volume down there, and there's a lot of production let prices drop 20 bucks a barrel and take 500 drilling rigs out of the economy and see, see what the volumes in the pipelines look like. And and what worries me is when I hear uh, the Senate say, we're going to fund this on the back of oil and gas again, it, it's like we're, we're stuck in this cycle. Every time we fix school finance, the oil and gas community bears the brunt of it. And then, you know, every five to eight years when, when, it, when the oil and gas business crashes, we, we have a big shortfall in public ed. So I'm looking for ways to expand who's paying for public school. Um, you know, I, we're never, ever going to pay for it with one system, and it's because we don't have a statewide property tax, nor do we have a statewide income tax. So, And those, those would take, either one of those would take huge constitutional changes, and I, for one, would never vote for it. I don't think Texas would vote for it. So there's not a there's not a magic bullet here to fix schools from a funding standpoint. Our largest um, funding source in our for our state coffers is sales tax. The governor's been pretty clear that he will um, he will not support any expansion of sales tax. So so where are we going to get the money? Well, that's the twenty four dollar question, and that's and that's really what we need to be working on. It's easy in that commission. It, I say it was easy. We heard hours and hours of testimony over more than 40 meetings, and but we had the commission was broken into three groups. We had outcomes, which is obviously um, what we would like to see per investment. We saw expenditures, uh, how we how this we think we should change spending, what monies we do have, and we had revenues. And revenues was the committee that I served on that looked at ideas of revenue sources. Um, that 
committee that committee was obviously the least successful in the whole process because everybody knows who needs to pay for it, but nobody wants to step out there and say who's going to. So there's there's a lot of debate and uh, that's going to go on and it has to go on um, to see where we're going to get the money. I I am absolutely opposed to um, throwing one time dollars at this uh, to get the school community back on the side of the legislature um, and not and not doing a meaningful fix. So I, sustainability is my number one goal. I think there's some good ideas out there um, when it comes to teacher pay and, and how we're going to do that, uh, the different kind of things. Um, but it's, it's all about priority. Yeah. Uh, King, King, you serve on what other committee now? Licensing. <clears throat> okay. Tell us about that. Well, I've never served on it before. I was uh, um, Speaker Bonin um, kind of surprised me with that one. I had a feeling I would stay on public education because it's something I've been working on for a long time. Um, but but uh, when I got the committee assignments, he put me on the live scene. And you know, every every industry um, in the state of Texas has to be licensed in in some form or fashion. So it's really a kind of a, a unique committee that you you don't just uh, deal with one industry or another it's it's pretty much every every industry comes through that committee and i'm i'm looking forward to it it's a fun committee it's a lot of good people on it tracy king um from uvalde is is the new chair and he's a great guy and i think uh i think it's going to be a good experience all right king king what else we need to know before we get off with you when we're expecting you regularly but for now what do we need to know well, just know that my my priorities haven't changed. You know, I think that the legislature is better off when you when our elected officials focus on water education and transportation, um, and leave charity work to the churches and private donations. So, you know, Jay, that's always been my focus. We're gonna and it's gonna be more focused this time. And uh, we're I'm in a unique position to uh, represent my 17 counties and effectively from a from a school standpoint and, and a pro business standpoint, so I'm. Um, I think uh, even though I I have 17 counties and I think 52 school districts, if anybody needs me, um, you know one thing's great about the West Texas delegation is we don't we don't just limit ourselves to our district. If there's something I can help with, whether I'm your representative or not, my door's always open. You know I'm I'm here for the five and a half million um, kids all over Texas and. Um, all 29 million Texans. So I, um, I welcome anybody at any time. My door's open. There he is, Ken King, West Texas forever. Appreciate you making time, buddy. Thanks, Jay. Now we'll talk Thanks. to you next time right here on the other side. Appreciate you making time. Sounds, sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Uh, Ken King checking off. We're going to get into some technology talk with our friend Mike Bazaar coming up. Maybe get into some of those texts. It seems like a tirade to go, but, but get into those texts, and we'll be right back here on the other side. Shake the dirt off your shoes. Come over, take a seat. Knock that chill off your bones. Got food on the fire. Can I get you some to eat? Make yourself at home. Yeah, I'm on the run. I'm looking out, searching for something that I still care about. Day 
going to switch gears, go from everything that's on my chest to uh, on state politics to our friend Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions, in studio to talk some tech talk, maybe some business grievances as we uh, go along on the program. Mike Bazaar, glad that you are with us in studio. Um, so, uh, Mike, tell us where we're going to start today. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know if people ever get tired of hearing about this, but this is the life we live in is, um, I don't know, about a week or so ago in the last few days, there's this data breach called collection number one, implying that there's going to be more of them. Anyways, it was um, 773 million unique email accounts and more than 21 million different passwords were in that. And they say a total of the database that was released was uh, 2.7 billion records. And you could get access to it for the low, low price of $45. So bad bad guys on the dark web could go buy this huge database for 45 bucks. What's crazy is they say the total size of that was 87 gigs. So not that the, the numbers per se matter, but the the guy that released it says he has over a terabyte of data. So that means that the 773 million email accounts might only be about a tenth of the data that he has and it is the largest data breach dump in history and it's a bunch of different data breaches it's not one particular one some of the data is a year two three years old but it's this huge collection that somebody's been sitting on for a long long time and so the concern is one has that data been used for bad and two now it's available and three what else does the guy have like there there's a ton of data out there well uh, what else does he have we don't know <laughs> that's the problem it says that uh the guy that was selling it was talking to brian krebs who's a security researcher and uh he said according to the guy selling this it's neither new nor the biggest and it's two to three years old and he has other data um, the hacker says he has access to four terabytes of password packages that are less than a year old, which is four times larger than the data that he did in this dump. Okay, so let's go back to... I can answer this question because you've yeah. answered it for me before, <laughs> but it's time to change your passwords. Yeah, I mean, and the way that you say to do passwords is... Yeah, so I, they have said over and over again, people suck at generating passwords that are complex and hard for computers. We fall into patterns, right? Everybody uses exclamation for one, at for a, you know, I mean, that that's just the way everybody kind of does it, and computers can guess that. So what they say to do is length is your friend. It's better than complexity, and so go long. And so I always tell everybody, put yourself in a familiar place and pick four words, three if they're long words. So like in here, just sitting in the studio, there's a flag, there's a calendar, there's a speaker. So that could be your password, flag, calendar, speaker. Put a number in there if you want. But again, you got to make it random, and if you use your address or something that's obvious or public then they know that stuff and they'll put it in there and they have databases of things that they try to use to run hacking algorithms and everything else. And so um, your best bet is to try to just be as random and then as long as possible. And the way you do that, like I say, is, is random words, stick them together. Yeah. The advantage of doing that is I can put myself back here and think, what did I look at? And then after you type your password a few times, you'll just remember it. The hard part is if you pick some crazy, weird, complex password, 
you probably won't remember it. And then the next time you go use it a week later, you're going to have to hit reset password because you forgot what it was. And then you go back to a simple password because it's annoying. So I'm going to wince whenever I ask this, but there are plenty of apps in which you can download all your passwords. Yep. What's the downside of me having something on my phone? So if it's the right apps, it's a great tool. So if you use, like, there's LastPass, Dashlane, um, several companies have them out there that you can get password managers. And a password manager, you pick one really good password, and then you can get into all your other passwords. The thing I say to do with any password manager is use two-factor authentication. So when you log in, it sends you a text message or something, and then you put in that little code because that'll help protect your passwords. But I tell people to do that, and we use them. I have no idea what my eBay password is, PayPal, half of the bank accounts for the business, because I store them all in a password manager. And so I just don't have a clue what they are. They're 45 characters long and totally random. And I just let the password manager generate it. And so it's a good way to do it. Now, what you don't want to do is put all your passwords on a sticky note or on an Excel document or a Word document or something on the computer. Even if you put a password on that file, those are generally pretty easy to crack, and that data is not usually encrypted. So you want to use a password manager. Um, The one I know LastPass does it. I haven't researched the other ones in a while. Uh, And as morbid as it is, LastPass, you can name your next of kin, essentially. So if they present a death certificate, then LastPass will give them access to your password vault. So it seems weird, but in the middle of a tragedy, if you had an unexpected death, it would be nice if they know that they just had to submit a death certificate into LastPass and then they could potentially get access to your stuff. Yeah, and that would help who all? It help all the family members, right? I mean, we had um, a customer that passed away, and his family brought us uh, his laptop. They had no idea what the password was. They couldn't get into it, and so we cracked the password and got him into it, but it had all these pictures you and everything it else. How? Oh, it's easy. You can download stuff on the Internet. I I can crack passwords. If I have physical access to a computer, I can crack a password in about two minutes. So what do you have to – what kind of verification do you have to get yourself? That they own it? Yeah. Yeah. So one, that's part of the reason we don't do personal because then I'd want to know how they did it. So business stuff, we we generally know what it is. And like this one, I knew. And and we can see the user accounts that are on it. So when we boot up, we'll see the user accounts. And if it matches up with what they're saying and what they're talking about, then we can go in and crack it. Because I had another guy that was going through a divorce and really mad at his wife. And he brought it in and said, help me hack this. And I said, no. I'm not going to hack your wife's laptop because you're pissed off in the middle of a divorce. (laughs) But you deal mostly, Bizarre Solutions deals mostly with commercial. Yeah, yeah. We make the exception with ransomware because it is scary and it is bad. And so we'll help anybody with ransomware. So if you ever get ransomware, we're more than happy to help. But for the most part, we do business. So for people who may not know, not looking at myself in the mirror, (laughs) uh, ransomware is what? Yeah, so ransomware is we get a virus and it encrypts everything on your computer and they demand money ransom back out of you so they'll encrypt everything on your computer you lose access to anything you don't have backed up so we've had people come in that lost pictures um people that have brought in you know they're a one-man business or whatever and their quickbooks and all their financials are encrypted so they can't invoice and run their business uh and so what it is is it just encrypts it and the, the chance of cracking that encryption is it take years to do it so you either have to pay them or you have to restore the data from backup and so that's the other reason why we tell everybody that you need to have a backup mm. 
So. Mike Bazaar in studio. You got a couple more things for us to go through here? You know, I mean, we talk about that. I think business-wise, one of the big things to start planning for, if, if you've got a, a business of any number of computers, is Windows 7. Um, it sounds a long ways out, but in 2020, they're not going to support it anymore. And so that means no more security updates. It'll become basically a security risk. So you need to move to Windows 10 between now and 2020. Seems like a long time, but if you've got six computers in your office, do you want to replace six in January or February of next year, or do you want to do one a month this year? So if you think about it and plan it, it's, it's not a big deal, right? You can do one every month or two and uh, and usually get ahead of it. So uh, make sure, especially if you've got anything to do with any medical, because you fall under HIPAA, and the moment you can no longer update security, it's a violation. Is it true that Mac is much more secure than... So, yes. Microsoft. Yes and no, right? So, people are the biggest offenders of doing stupid stuff. Mac is not in itself inherently secure, but because of the way Apple handles a lot of the stuff, like on the iPhones, iPhones are more secure than Androids because Apple is much more strict in what they will let into the App Store. So, you hear a lot less about malware on, on iPhones and everything else. The other thing that has happened is that when you're talking about Windows, you're talking 90% market share. So if I'm a hacker, do I hack at the 10% or the 90%? So I think if hackers turn their attention wholesale to um, Mac users like they do with Windows users, then I think that you'll see all kinds of security and other issues. So Apple now says you should have antivirus. They have for several years. Um, you know, so you hear a lot less about it, less people get hacked on it. But if you really go talk to people that are involved in the industry, um, somebody asked Kevin Mitnick, who's a real famous hacker, the same question. He's a good hacker. He's a white hat hacker, meaning he hacks because people ask him to do penetration testing and find the weaknesses so they can fix them. Uh, and that question was asked to him, and he said it doesn't matter. They're all hackable, and it really doesn't matter. Mm. So leave it at that. Not place. making me feel better. <laughs> bizarre. It's more about education, right? I mean... Phishing attacks are up. Um, spear phishing, which is really close, you know, like they, they get information about you and then they'll send information that makes it seem credible instead of just these blanket attacks. Um, they're up. I got one the other day from MailChimp that said I hadn't paid my bill and they were going to cancel. And I thought, oh, I need to look at, wait, I use the free version of MailChimp. I don't <laughs> I don't have a bill to pay. Then sure enough, it was, they were, they were trying to get me to log in with my MailChimp account so they could steal all those email addresses and, and whatever else. Mm-hmm. So, all of that becomes worse. Sextortion, we've talked about that before, is, is one that's coming out where they'll send you an email and they get a password like this leak, these 21 million that came out. If I have that email and password, I can send emails to all 21 million people and say, hey, I saw you doing dirty things on your computer. I recorded it. Here's your password. And if you don't pay me 500 bucks, I'm going to release this to all of your friends. It's totally a scare tactic because they never hacked your computer. They never did anything. But people react to that. And they will pay the money to that because either they do that stuff on their computer so they're worried that it really did happen or they're just worried because the reputation damage it could do even if it's not true. $500 isn't a lot for a reputation. No, especially when you start talking about what do I have to clean up and convince people that, man, I don't I don't sit around on my computer and do dirty things. This is, this is junk. But once that hits the news, you're a political figure. You're anybody, even small political, right? Any public figure, that could be real damaging real fast. Yeah. It's a pretty good scam. It is. A lot of people fall for it. We've had a couple of customers that sent us pictures and said, hey, what is this? And do I need to worry about it? And uh, no, you can delete it. But that that's the stuff that we see more often and a lot of people don't hear about because they don't live in the world. But it happens. It happens everywhere. 
Uh, let's take a quick break and okay. jump back in for a few more minutes. Mike <laughs> Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions. Join us here on your drive home. If you got questions, you can text those in 806 745 5800. Got some questions stacked up from lots of people. This seems to have come from three different directions. If that's not the truth, my name is not Dan Patrick. Um, that's funny. His name is not Dan Patrick. It's Danny Gobe. Uh, appreciate that. If you have any questions about the current conversation, you can tweet those comments, questions as well. As we drive along with Mike Bazaar, going to get into last break here and get back in with some of your tech questions, things that you're asking about. J. West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035. 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at FlintHat.com. Smile, it's gonna be okay. Jason White Dentistry, the West Texas way. Smile and time is how it's done. We treat you like you're the only one. Your peace of mind is our state of mind. We want to get to know you and smile. In studio, we have Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions, talking to us about all the bad things that can go wrong on the internet. <laughs> Anything on uh, Facebook and Twitter that we need to know about, Mike? So, same stuff I tell everybody. One, don't share it unless you want it to be public. And know that once you share it, it's going to be out there forever and ever and ever. Even if your settings are set to private. Even Well, and that's been proven. Like, Facebook had a bunch of leaks where there was private pictures and I think 5 million of them, you know, different programs got access to that weren't supposed to. So, accidents happen, right? Um, you know, BlackRock, I don't know, did you hear about that one? BlackRock leaked 20,000 of their financial advisors and spreadsheets um, and all their details, uh, which to me is like this great phishing target if I'm a hacker. I can go get that and now have all these details of all these financial advisors. But anyways, back to Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, the other big thing I say, and it's probably a bigger Facebook thing than Twitter, is people at all the time, they do the stupid tests, they click on the dumb links, you know, which Marvel comic character you, or they share whatever. I saw somebody post the other day about... Um, like you know this is my declaration that my stuff is my stuff and and, and facebook can't have you own know, it and whatever after this day yeah and that's it's all bogus and some of that is innocent some of it there's bots crawling facebook links looking for that text to try to pull information because if you're posting that they know you're probably more gullible which marks you as a higher target to to send junk to 
Um, and so if you wonder why you get a lot of spam and junk mail, that, <laughs> that could be it if you fall for all the silly online scams. Mm-hmm. You know, Southwest Airlines isn't giving away plane tickets. Disney's not giving away trips, right? I mean, if they are, they're doing it through their websites or they're driving you. They're, they're going to collect information. They don't want you just to like their Facebook page. So the other one I say on Facebook is go look at your apps and, and see what has permission uh, because that can be a big deal. <clears throat> a lot of people have played Farmville or whatever else, and now they don't. And that app still has full permission to your profile. And Zynga or whoever now owns that is harvesting your information and probably selling it. So Zynga? Yeah, that was the game. That, they were one that did, like, um, I think they did Candy Crush maybe and somebody. Anyways, they, they did several of the really popular early Facebook games like Farmville and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, go through and look at those. You know, do the same thing on your iPhone, right? If you're sitting around doing nothing, go look and see what your settings are on your apps and your iPhone. There's a ton of apps that will request your location all the time. And they don't need it, right? Uber was tracking people no matter where they went or what they did. But the truth is Uber only needs to know your location when you're in the app trying to call an Uber. So change your security settings. So uh, tell us about, about a minute left in the program. Maybe not long enough, but your riff now as a small business owner on unemployment. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm I'm all for the safety net that it is, right? Unemployment for people that were let go or whatever, if there's a reason. But we have in two years, and we don't have a lot of claims before that. We have two years, we have one claim. And our unemployment insurance rate went from 1% to 4%, hmm. which was, you know, 4x jump. And when we called the unemployment people and said, hey, this seems a little extreme, we understand that we have to, you know, pay into the coffers, and because we have a claim, it's going to go up a little bit. But 4X is crazy. Historically, we've been good. And they don't care. And I just feel like we've been paying into unemployment insurance for 10 years. We've only had a few claims. None of them have been big. And then we get screwed because somebody had a claim last year and so this year it jacks it up so for the whole next year we've got a way higher payroll tax on our entire amount of payroll and it just seems really asinine and so anyways i just i gotta call our senator and see if there's anything that can be done about it because i just feel like you should get credit for the money you've paid in maybe or something it should be a slower step up if i'm a repeat offender yeah jack the rates up but it just seems dumb that is but not a repeat Offended. That's it. We're not repeat yeah. offenders. We don't make bad hires. We've got a really long hiring process. When we let people go, it's for cause. And we had one person that we let go that we was a little bit for cause, a little bit for not. And, and we told him because it made him feel better about himself that it was, you know, we were just downsizing, eliminating the role. Um, and, and I guess I just need to be the bad guy. So I just tell them that you suck at your job, so you're getting fired. And sign this so you can't claim unemployment. Not a bad guy, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, we appreciate you making time going through all the tech stuff. I know people really enjoy it. Um, gonna get home. You done with everything? You need to bring up anything else? No, I'm just. If anybody in Lubbock wants to swing by, I hear um, Walk-Ons has an entrepreneur networking event till seven o'clock. So if you're out tootling around, swing by there. Okay, I'm gonna head over there for a few minutes. Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions. Appreciate you making time for Mike Bazaar. Ken King, State Representative. Jay West Texas Leeson, logging off. Gonna get home. Gotta get home. Great family. Above average dinner waiting for me back at the Ponderosa. Until next time, Rayvon Buddies. Rayvon will be back tomorrow. Erica Greeter and Daniel, the digital 
Guru Millennial be in studio with you as uh, we rave along here on AM580, the home of Buddy Holly. We'll see you next time right here on the other side of Texas. Who we want